0: Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz here with my good friend and co host, Christian Ubius. Christian, it's a big day. Today is the first new blend of 2022, and I'm very excited. How are you?
1: I am doing well. I'm very excited for this blend. I have seen 3 of them. I'm missing 2. So I'm excited to see where where our conversations will go.
0: Me too. And so I we kicked the, we kind of told y'all what was going on at the end of last week's episode as we did our top 10, but really top 20 films of 2021 we are kicking off our our second annual 70s blend of the month and we're looking at 1975 and so just a little bit of a glimpse at where this month is going to be going we're actually going to be talking about three of the best picture nominees from that year and then at the end of the month instead of doing a streaming recommendations episode like we would have done in the past we'll actually be doing an episode that looks at the oscars ceremony of that year and we'll be commenting on the major categories, maybe some stray thoughts on minor categories if we have them, based on how many other movies we're able to fit in. But really taking a chance to assess the best picture race of that year, if our preferred movie won, some of the other races. And Christian, just based on your letterbox activity, it seems like you've gotten a much uh, bigger jump on this project than me.
1: I've, uh, so I saw Three Days of the Condor last week, and I saw Shampoo this morning. Um, I, I've seen a couple of other ones, like a, uh, a film starring David Carradine called uh, Oh Death Race 2000. So I'm, I'm trying to get into the mindset of 1975. I feel like I can't definitively make a top five movie of a year unless I've seen like 30 movies from that year. I'm not going to get to 30 1975 movies by the end of the year, but I want to hit some of the the, the talking points love it <laughs> so uh just in like in looking at the oscars in particular was death
0: race 2000 nominated in any categories that year no but it's cons- just it's-
1: getting you in the mood it- it's getting me in the mood it's it's i'm 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 prepping myself but by the way i i know that you've seen my my, my ranking for it but when we finally get to talk about dog day afternoon i have some thoughts <laughs>
0: I actually have not seen your review, your star rating, any of that yet, specifically Dog Day Afternoon. Not a movie that I've seen, one that I'm looking forward to watching for the first time this month. So that sounds like it could be a fun discussion.
1: <laughs> um, all right. Are we? Oh, wait, wait, wait. And, and also, we're going to be ranking the Best Picture nominees at the, at the end of the month.
0: Yes, that is right. So we'll, we'll kind of talk about the Oscars at large, and then we'll do our own personal rankings of the Best Picture nominees, which uh, we can just throw it out kind of at this point. So if you want to do some homework with us, uh, just kind of forecasting where this month is going, we will be talking about Jaws this week, obviously. Next week, we'll be taking a look at one of my favorite movies from this year, Barry Lyndon, and then the Best Picture winner of that year, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And then the other two movies nominated for Best Picture that year were Dog Day Afternoon, which Christian just mentioned, and nashville directed by robert altman so those are the big movies from 1975 those they ate up a lot of the nominations and other categories as well if you really want to do some homework listeners and you want to check out as many 1975 oscar nominees as you can there are some excellent options and some others that classically Oscars kind of fell by the wayside. So do some homework if you want. But otherwise, we'll be hitting on some of the biggest here on the show and then talking about some of the others once we get to that full episode. But I'm really looking forward to this, Christian. This is a just an awesome year for the movies. Outside of those five that we already mentioned, the Best Picture nominees, you have big movies that uh, like Shampoo that you already mentioned. Hugely influential directors of world cinema making movies this year, so like Mirror from Andre Tarkovsky and Sean Dealman, which is a three-hour, uh, almost, I would call it an epic, but very slow-moving drama about a French, or maybe Bel- a Belgian woman from Chantal Ackerman, uh, Deep Red from Dario Argento, just a, a very cool year in the movies, both in international cinema and here at home in the States. three days of
1: the condor
0: yes three days of the condor is i mean is that i'm i'm just looking at the letterbox page for best right film now. editing oh, I'm, not, I'm not seeing it on the letterbox listing so that's a fault of them
1: perhaps and also i think one of the bo- the blockbuster th- hits of the year
0: oh man robert redford what a guy what a guy what that
1: a, a good looking <laughs> dude let's get some like that's that's a that's that's a that's a leading man right there
0: Uh, i am wanting to be a much bigger fan of robert redford i really enjoy watching his movies and i trace it directly to my affection for brad pitt which i'm sure we can unpack uh on another another day but for now christian it's time to talk the biggest movie of 1975 that movie is jaws steven spielberg's breakthrough blockbuster hit so I'm really excited to get into this conversation. Jaws is an incredibly influential movie, but also one of the the biggest black marks on my movie watching career. I somehow had gone 26 years of my life without seeing Jaws even once. I wasn't scarred as a child. I didn't go check it out when I was starting to become obsessed with movies in high school and in college. And then I spent years even doing this podcast, right? I had not checked it out for any reason. So I'm finally glad to have crossed it off the list and I'm ready to discuss it today. What about you, Christian? What was your relationship, if any, with Jaws?
1: I knew that it was a movie with a shark. So, no, 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 no. I I know that it's a blockbuster. I know that tons of people have seen it. I know that it's considered Steven Spielberg's best directed movie, uh, by some. I'm I, I knew very little else. I, I honestly didn't know who wrote it. I didn't know who the principal actors were. I'm I, I assumed the plot was a shark eats people. And and I was right.
0: <laughs> and in that, Christian, you were correct. A shark sure does eat people. So let's let's dive in a little bit to the background of this movie. Obviously if you are a if you're a Spielberg fan, or if you're any normal person who managed to see Jaws before the two of us did, you might know a lot of this information. But uh, still important to to talk about. It. So we have a nice, nice foundation for this conversation. Of course, Jaws, the biggest movie of 1975. It made over $130 million at the box office that year, which for sake of comparison, the second biggest movie was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which pulled in $59 million. So Jaws more than doubled its closest competition. It was just an incredible cultural milestone. It's considered the, the first summer blockbuster, this movie that is specifically timed to come out in the summer and you know catch people at this moment where kids are out of school families have more time on their hands and they just want to see this big fun more action oriented movie and obviously we had had these kinds of movies before there were action movies there were big sci-fi movies there were family movies but jaws is the first one that capitalized on a lot of the things that make blockbusters what they are from its concept to its intention on you know showcasing thrills to trying to make a movie that is can somehow get the whole family in the door, buying tickets and popcorn and candy and drinks. And obviously it was a smash success. Uh, Christian, I don't know if, I I don't mean to monologue here. So did you have any, any thoughts you wanted to add? Just kind of about the, the sensation of Jaws or the, the box office success. If you, if you had, you know, anything in your research that came up before I keep moving on.
1: It's the highest grossing movie until star Wars um, in 77. So, The 1970s is is a time when blockbusters kind of got their hold, and when you see genre, like monster movies, uh, this is considered one of the universal monster movies, I'm assuming, right?
0: No, because, like, there's that, that, like, specific terminology of, like, the universal monster movies is, like, the classic stuff with, like, the mummy and the wolfman and Dracula, but this is, like... In technical terms, it is from Universal, and it's a monster movie. So, like, in a okay, way, well, it's, like, kind of... So,
1: that's, that's dumb. Anyway, so this is, like, a <laughs> Universal monster movie. Uh, and and it, it's... And... Oh, what else? This is also the decade of The Godfather, The Godfather Part Two, Enter the Dragon. Like, these things are racking in money. So, it's a different... Uh, you see that horror stuff, and, and, and sci-fi stuff, and crime stuff is ruling so uh i find it interesting i i i find it interesting to to i don't know what that means about people really taking their you know their hard dollar to see a shark eat people but it's it's i i mean it's a thrilling it's a thrilling score john williams score so let's i'm I, i don't have much more to add in terms of background information
0: yeah. And even like one more piece for me is kind of when you think about what a blockbuster is, Jaws 2 uh, I, I took, or Jaws comma T-O-O, I should say. We're not talking about the much derided sequel. Uh, Jaws, in addition to the aspect of the movie itself, also was one of these first movies that had a humongous marketing campaign with TV spots and tie-in merchandise and all of that stuff happening. So it, that's how it, what more it did to kind of kick off. What this. was the tie-in merchandise? Like a rubber shark? I mean, probably just like the stuff you're thinking of, like T-shirts and lunch boxes And uh, there was there – was, actually, this is funny. There was a board game. And I only know this because my dad loves the TV show American Pickers. And he put on an episode when I was home for the holidays. What's and American
1: they... Pickers?
0: <laughs> oh, what is Christian. that? Let me tell you about this, this white dad show, American Pickers, where two guys travel – across the the country, probably just the Midwest, going to collectors who have rare merchandise and different categories. So like old cars or old furnishings, like classic vintage stuff that you can resell if you like kind of tidy it up. And they found this guy who maybe it was, a, they found someone who had a Jaws board game. And the whole point of the game is that you would put these little plastic toys in the mouth of this giant shark and you had to reach in there and pull them out without getting your hand clamped. <laughs> So, these kinds of things that were not necessarily like, you know, not maybe unheard of, but Jaws is kicking off this trend in a big way. And you can see its ubiquity, obviously, where it not only was the biggest movie of the year, but it doubled uh, its competition in, in second, third place, et cetera. So, Jaws, just an enormous movie. And obviously, it is still well loved, like Christian said, one of. Steven Spielberg's it's considered one of his best movies at this point it's made over 470 million dollars because it's been re-released into theaters so many times it's continued to pull in money from here and from abroad and it's of course a movie that has you know had some it's been around in the culture long enough to actually be studied in terms of film studies kind of what makes it tick why people responded to it so well so really just a hugely influential movie. In terms of some of the major players, obviously directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Peter Benchley, who wrote the novel that Jaws was based on, as well as Carl Gottlieb, who, in just a funny twist of fate, was actually hired on just as an actor. He plays a small supporting role, but they were rewriting it so much on set that he actually is credited as one of the writers because so many of his rewritten scenes ended up in the movie. Last thing kind of on Jaws, uh, in addition to all of its financial success obviously and bringing steven spielberg to the fore it was nominated for a number of academy awards outside of its best picture picture nomination uh it won for best original score for john williams it won for best sound and it won for best film editing for verna fields so unfortunately jaws won three out of its four oscars and the only one it didn't win was best picture a lot of background info christian anything else that you want to share about this movie before we get into our review in earnest
1: i heard jaws 4 isn't good Yes, maybe the the last thing worth
0: mentioning about Jaws is that it kicked off a franchise, which is uh, (laughs) forgotten, uh, lost to time forgotten i think some of them were on hbo max or at least they were for a time i don't know if they are right now but there are not one but or two but three jaws sequels none of which feature the involvement of spielberg or benchley who again wrote the novel and the screenplay uh <laughs> none of them are considered very good so maybe a, a fun personal project but certainly not one to discuss here on the show with our, our limited time so christian without further ado let's just get into it <laughs> You and me finally got to watch Jaws for the first time. We set aside the time you borrowed from the library because you're a good citizen of our good city of Los Angeles, and we were able to watch this movie. And So obviously there's a ton that we could get into. This is a humongously influential movie. We could talk about the influence it had. This is a beloved movie. We could talk about how people feel about this movie if it's as good as we've heard that it was. But I want to actually just focus in on one aspect of the movie Christian and let our discussion build from there. So one of the things that Jaws was most praised for at the time was its thrills. Something like this, obviously, this wasn't groundbreaking necessarily. People had, you know, there were horror movies, there were action movies, but Jaws obviously brought these kinds of thrills to the fore in a big way with how financially successful it was. And a lot of that depended on the thrills of this dangerous shark that at any moment could... With a simple music cue, come out of nowhere and chomp up someone just trying to enjoy their time at Amity at the beach. So, Christian, here in the year 2022, as you sat down to watch Jaws for the first time, or really as you did that and watched the credits roll, were you thrilled by Jaws? Did the movie entertain you? And do you see how it had the effect that it did way back in 1975?
1: Sometimes... Sometimes and sometimes. (laughs) What an excellent noncommittal answer. I was sometimes thrilled and sometimes I did not see it. I actually, that that was a thing that I was surprised by. There were a couple of instances where we're not talking about the shark and people are just like going about their lives and talking to each other that I, I kind of wanted the movie to keep, to like move along to the interesting shark bits. And I, I think that the sequences on the water are wonderful and I could have spent the entire movie there, but everything in between, even the boat scene at the end where you've got three people because they're out there finally trying to catch and well, not catch, kill the shark once and for all. And they're like trading war stories about things that they've gone through and 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 sharks in their lives and and I am sitting there thinking I'm I don't really need this and so it it's like I I get why people wanted to pay money to see the shark but I feel like there's a lot you need to get through before you see the shark and it doesn't always pay off for me if 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 you if you know what I mean
0: I I think I think I do, and I can definitely resonate with being just surprised at the the structure of the movie in a way and, and how it fits into a genre, because there's just a lot more drama to this movie than I was expecting. And I think a part of me thought that Jaws was a lot more action-oriented. Obviously, it's this famous blockbuster that caused people to come out to the movies in droves, and there is not a ton of action in this movie and in terms of the way that we think of it now like people fighting or shooting at each other or whatever and jaws is somewhat famous for having this limited screen time for the shark because the actual mechanical model of the shark they were using was uh, not very reliable it malfunctioned quite a bit and they had to work around that and just in some ways it actually made the movie better it's kind of that old adage of constraints making the best art but yeah I was surprised at, at how long we could go without seeing or hearing from Jaws.
1: And- but but uh, you, you don't, okay. We don't really see Jaws full forced to like maybe midway in the movie once. And then we see him a lot at the end. Right. And, and we should mention, I think, I think Jaws is called Bruce. I think that was the add, like the name given to him because he was uh, Peter, um, the, the novelist, Lawyer, I think was, or maybe it was the producer's lawyer. It was someone's lawyer was called Bruce, and they hated him. And, and they, so did they called Spielberg's lawyer Bruce Spielberg, Spielberg's lawyer. So this is the thing. I I could have used more. <laughs> I don't I don't know what I'm I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know why I'm saying I could have used more. I wasn't that thrilled with this movie, but I I like it, and I'm not upset that people love this movie. And it, yet, I I wanted more time in the water where kids are being eaten i i mean it, it's like, yeah eat the kids like that's that's how this movie starts this movie starts with this um teenager college girl getting mauled by this uh, as mauled the, the right i mean she's she, <laughs> i would she's, say it's much more than mauled but <laughs> she's chopped good word she's like she she's she's, devoured she's de- devoured and people are are not sure what could have done it at some point some people think maybe it's a shark attack then one kid's eaten a little later on but it takes a while for these kids to be eaten and on the flip side as much as we see drama the drama seems to be about capitalism like it, it's a very, it's a very capitalistic or like anti-capitalist movie to an extent the guy the mayor of this island Doesn't want to close down the beaches because the 4th of July is coming up and the 4th of July is when they make the most money from tourists who come uh, to the beach and spend money on it. I'm not getting the drama from there are parents who have lost their children in this film and I don't know if you picked up on that.
0: I No, I did. And the pump was a little primed for me because uh, we like to cite our sources here. And so one of the uh, podcasts that I listen to about movies is Film Spotting, which I would absolutely recommend. Uh, Definitely one of the inspirations for this show. And they did what they call a Sacred Cow review, kind of looking at a movie that's held up like Jaws is uh, for Jaws. Uh, a few months ago and that is something that they talked about and specifically kind of the ways that jaws feels so prescient uh because of the ways that we watched lawmakers react and when COVID happened and we saw so many people resistant to shut things down and and uh without kind of stating our opinions necessarily on it we saw the ways that people were so hesitant or even anti closing down their cities or their towns because of the ways it would affect the economy. And we saw the ways that people wanted to open things back up, even if it necessarily wasn't safe because they needed to get their industries, their tourism or their restaurants doing well again. Uh, And so it's, it was, it was uncanny watching this movie at when we were because I feel like I've seen this mayor all over Twitter, whether people were supporting him or against him. If the, if Jaws came out today, you would have people who were like, the mayor was right. We should never have closed the beach. It was only a couple people. And then there were people who were like, they never
1: should have had the beaches open. How dare he reopen the beaches? But, but, but okay, Let, let's do the COVID comparison. I mean, even in COVID, what we're trying to talk about and, and what we should be talking about is the number of people who have died from covid that if everyone got covid and no one died or was hospitalized we would be talking about covid very differently right here children are being devoured their body parts are being found the mayor doesn't want to shut this city down the mayor himself has children and he, they have like one line about it that I think is a very important line, where he says, "My children are on that beach too."
0: But after, yeah, after our, one of these shark attacks, where people are kind of coming down from it,
1: and and, and even even like the the shark book, the the, 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 the um, uh, or is is it the sh- I, I'm I'm trying to remember who's who's our our chief dude. Chief Brody looking, looking through the books on sharks. Yeah. Yeah. Chief Brody's looking through the books. What's his wife's? Oh, oh um, Lorraine, Lorraine Gary plays his wife. And, and, and when she sees a picture in this book of a shark, like coming up and, and hitting a boat and like tearing that boat in two, she yells at her kids who are on a boat near the shore to get out of there because that's when it hits her, you know, that her kids could be next.
0: And the great thing about that scene is you see the way that her mind shifts in real time because yeah. the they have two sons and they have this little tiny boat that they've gotten for the boys because they they've recently moved to this island and the boys are just in the boat. They're not even going out to, to sail it and she's like, well... Because uh, Brody is yelling at the boys to come in and, and then his wife comes in and she says, oh, it, it's fine. They're they, You just got the boat. You know, they're just they're just having fun. Then she sees this picture and you can see the processing happen in real time. And all of a sudden she looks up and she's yelling at the boys to come in. I, I, I love that moment.
1: But we don't I don't think we have enough of those. And, and that's I, I don't know if it's an issue that I have with this movie. It's just this movie was focused on the capitalist and the. Um, law and the institution which i think would have been bolstered more if we saw the lives that were affected by the shark so uh, a question for you then
0: um one of the first victims of the shark is uh, a young alex Kindner, unfortunately who is out on his uh floaty or whatever he's on out in the ocean and it's this the big attack where we kind of see the real damage that um, old Bruce can do because the first uh, the first opening scene with the uh, high schooler girl it's pretty scary she's out in the water on her own because the boy she was with like didn't quite make it into the water and it's scary because you don't really know what's happening she just kind of falls under the water uh, but with this one the shark comes and gets the boy and there's blood and guts flying everywhere. The water's red. People are running, screaming out of the ocean. It's a lot more visceral. And we get this great scene later where his mother shows up with Chief Brody and she slaps him across the face as soon as she confirms his identity. (laughs) Like, are you Chief Brody? Yes. Smack. And then she in this pretty somber moment goes on to tell him essentially like he's responsible for her son's death. Because it was, he knew there was a shark and he didn't shut down the beaches. And if he had done so, her son would still be alive. And so are, are you saying that you wanted more moments like that from
1: the movie? Or maybe, honestly, more moments with the children. So that we could see the kids and kind of get a relationship to them. So that when they die, we're affected by it. I mean, only one major character in this movie dies.
0: Right, a, a lot of the victims here are
1: are random uh, people in the background. It, it's interesting in that to me, this movie isn't scary, and I think part of the well, I I guess there are moments that could be scary, and I definitely respect and admire those moments. I I wish I had more. I wish I had more. I I wish I had gotten a better relationship to the people being attacked more about the fears of this town more about the horror that's coming upon them to know that there's something out there that you can't see or or that you can't see until it's too late That no one's doing anything about instead of this the institution is incorrect
0: you know yeah i do And, and that that i guess is the one thing i wasn't necessarily expecting from jaws and I, I think if you describe Jaws to someone, and, and how it's been described now, obviously, is that it's this movie about this killer shark that comes and eats people, and they have to go out and kill it. And that's not
1: really what this is.
0: Not at all, <laughs> which is so funny, and because this movie is like a two, really a two-hour drama with some thriller elements mixed in, especially in the last third, really, and Act Three of this movie. And you can see how it it not only made a ton of money at the box office, but it also resonated with the Academy into a Best Picture nomination and three wins in the the below-the-line categories. This is a much slower movie than I was expecting. And so I think one of my – something I'm still processing even over Jaws, and it's hard because like a star rating on Letterboxd can't always encapsulate this. But I'm sitting here thinking, does it work as well with the first two acts the way they are and then Act 3 – out on the boat, out at sea, where there's no more supporting cast. It's just the main three characters, Brody, Quint, and Hooper. And, of course, Jaws himself. Uh, and so that's what I've been wrestling with since finishing the movie. is It's not what I was expecting, which is not always a bad thing. Especially with a, a sacred cow like this, it's always good to be surprised. And I'm just trying to figure out how I feel about the, the seemingly like two very different movies that we have within one two-hour
1: package. It, it, it does feel chopped up. It's, it's a 3 X structure, for sure, kind of a movie. I, I don't know. I I don't know if it works for me. I know that I like it. I definitely don't dislike this movie. I'm If we're talking star ratings, I don't think this hits a four-star for me. I think this hits like a three and a half. And it's almost like each individual part, if it had been its own movie, I could maybe love it for that. And, and let me get this: this this movie hits the landing. The, oh, the, absolutely! <laughs> the ending of this movie is phenomenal. Um, in, in in the final like confrontation with the shark, the the shark cage that they put down, our dude at our dude hitting the hitting the boat, the, not the boat, our dude hitting the phone with the bat, bec- when the other guy tries to call oh the coast gosh. guard. Yes, <laughs> all, all of that I thought. Absolutely fantastic, wonderful. Would watch that scene on repeat. But even at the end, there, I think that the only character I, I was connected to is Richard Dreyfus. Interesting, your your guy from American Graffiti. My 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 dude from American Graffiti, hundred <laughs> percent. No, it, because his character was like so funny so funny like comic relief i think his character was the only one who had an urgency like a guys this shark's killing people (laughs) we should do something (laughs) and it's comical because no one else is having that response right
0: yeah and let's actually let's just take a moment to kind of dig into these three main characters that we have because we haven't really uh, we, we haven't really explained who they are in, in relation to each other. So we mentioned Roy Scheider. He is here playing Chief Brody, who is the new police chief in the town of Amity Island. He has is moved from New York City, and so there's, he's still kind of ingratiating himself to the community. And he's the one with the, the two boys. Then we have Richard Dreyfuss's character. Matt Hooper, who is comes from the Oceanographic Institute, the very blandly named Oceanographic Institute, who comes in to the town. He's been called in to help them in the hunt for the shark to understand it better. And he is the one who really sets the tone for the urgency the town needs in terms of, getting people out of the water and taking care of the shark because he obviously knows what he's talking about, knows the danger, is able to kind of assess the woman who was killed by the shark and look at her wounds and, and kind of describe the animal and how dangerous it is. And then Robert Shaw as Quint, who's the smallest in terms of screen time, but certainly biggest in terms of performance, where Quint is this grizzled old shark hunter who offers to handle it for the town if they want to take care of it. And he really doesn't figure in too much to the plot for the first, really, hour, 15, hour and a half. And then, obviously, is, is one of the key parts in going out to take down the shark. And so, which, I mean, you, you were saying Dreyfuss worked for you. So what was it about his performance that you connected with?
1: It, it felt like he was actually grounded in emotions, whereas everyone else was trying to have a more subdued or repressed uh take on their character um Robert Shaw the thing about Robert Shaw as the shark hunter is that he's very kind of one note for me he has this I'm the crazy old man who's going to solve the problems thing which is cool but Richard Dreyfuss I think is actually like no I'm intelligent I want to come up with a solution how this is affecting things is affecting me uh, he, I think he, w- was the most real person, like the most actually attuned to what a human being's emotions it, at this time would be. That that I mean, from the main cast. So that's that's kind of why he was working for me. He was also really funny. I I, I think he was quite quite comedic in his outbursts. Yeah, Dreyfus is
0: he's a. Uh... He's an actor that I've been familiar with for a very long time, but really have only come into contact with through this show, obviously talking about American Graffiti last year and now talking about Jaws. And he's definitely somebody that I want to get more familiar with. He has this confidence about him, despite not being the... Uh, no offense to him, the most handsome guy, the most you know, classically stereotypically you do a lot good-looking. Worse than
1: Richard Dreyfuss,
0: yeah, you, you sure could. But you know, he's not necessarily tall or muscular or what have you. But he has this confidence about him. He. Plays this kind of character. He who, has hair on his chest. He's got hair on his chest. He knows what he's talking about. And and even in American Graffiti, obviously that character is uh, not as confident and sure of himself uh, for most of the movie uh, as Matt Hooper is. But there's definitely this likability about him, and he's somebody that I want to just see more of. And his career recently has been mostly uh, a lot smaller direct-to-video movies or tv appearances so not a ton these days but he's such a big figure in the 70s and 80s uh and, and i i guess i've said that you found shaw to be one note because i feel like they intentionally inject what my i don't know if it's one of the most famous scenes in the movie but he's got this killer monologue late in the oh, movie the, the
1: one in the boat
0: yes where quint is going on and they you know they're they're like sharing stories and talking about scars they have and where, you know, he had a tattoo removed. And so Hooper's laughing. And he's asking him, well, what was the tattoo? And he says the USS Indianapolis. And they find out that he was on this boat during world war two. And in 1945, when his ship was damaged and sunk, the survivors of the shipwreck were, while they were waiting for rescue, beset upon by a school of sharks. And he just, it, it, it changes his whole persona because the rest of the movie, like you're saying, he's this salty sea dog type. He's he's kind of talking like this and he's English. He, he, he's a pirate. Right. He's a pirate. He's like an English actor who's barely containing his accent for this ostensibly American
1: character. OK, but th- this is this is the thing about him that that I, I, I guess I don't I don't I don't really dislike. But that I noticed his personality is shark's. Sharks are the only thing <laughs> that he cares about. And, and it's not that you can't be into sharks. It's not that you can't go and want to kill sharks. It's not that you can't kill sharks for a living. It's just that there's nothing else to him except sharks. I would say maybe it's not just it's not that
0: his whole personality is sharks, it's maybe that his personality is this obsession. And where Hooper No, it's is, sharks! Hooper is obsessed in a different <laughs> it's way. Sharks where he's obsessed scientifically and he wants he knows how the, the beasts work he knows their scientific names he knows how big they can grow to be he knows how you can tell which is which he can differentiate them but quint has this more primal obsession where he but, in the shipwreck but he watched brought... hundreds of his you know fellow soldiers be eaten alive by these sharks and he's you can sort of tell he's devoted himself to the destruction of sharks with the rest of his life and <laughs> So it's it's like this obsession about him that I found to be compelling okay. to the Here's point the where thing, he's though. willing to smash the for, radio for like for you're talking about so they don't call in
1: help. with sharks, I would have liked to see more sharks in this movie. and, and, and Hooper also obsessed with sharks, but also likes drinking wine and cracking <laughs> jokes and, and, and talking and like swapping stories about scars. And you see more of how his personality is—is is someone who—who who I mean, he's going to go on an expedition to study sharks for a year. Like Hooper is also obsessed with sharks, but uh, like a real person. Uh, and 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 that's I I don't I don't know. I, I feel like for a movie that has this many people obsessed with sharks, I would have wanted to see more sharks or more of the person or or um. And for a movie that is this uh talked about as like a the killer shark movie i would have liked to see either more kills or been in touch with more of the children it, <laughs> and, and maybe that's i I'm, i mean i guess this is partially a directorial thing that i'm not a fan of and also a, a screenwriting thing i don't i feel like this movie is trying too many things it's like eight movies uh yeah i would say maybe not eight maybe
0: two or three for sure but uh there's a part of me that wonders if you would have liked the 80s version of this movie where if it were made in the 80s it would be from the perspective of the kids and it'd be about how they are going to try to like hunt down and kill the shark <laughs> like something like the goonies or stand by me or like stranger things which is looking back at this type of story which is it's
1: it's it's, it's interesting to think about because like look uh, spielberg uh, as much as and I'm and, uh, okay Let me say this, because my words seem to have been twisted. I don't hate... I don't even dislike Raiders of the Lost Ark. I like it fine. (laughs) How dare you bring up Raiders of the Lost Ark, Christian? Keep her name off your lips. Spielberg can direct action. Like, Spielberg can direct action and thrills. And, and like, in Minority Report, again, not my favorite movie. But there, like, he can make thrilling sequences that last for a lot of the movie. And I didn't see that here. So let me, let's
0: go back to the, let's circle back to the characters quickly, because there is someone who, who figured like the main character of this movie, really the one who figures into both this, this first portion that is focused on the town, the drama, the governmental bureaucracy, that's putting people in danger and figures into the hunt. And that of course is Roy Schrider's chief Brody. And, what did you make of his character? Because I don't think I've ever seen a Roy Shatter movie before. I've seen the French connection, which he w- I received an Oscar nomination for, but I can't remember a thing about it. So I'm not going to pretend like I am familiar with him as an actor. And I honestly found myself pretty compelled by him as this guy who strangely moved to an Island, despite his fear of being out in the water, his fear of sailing and is trying to do the best that he can, but is trapped between the obviously the government of the town who won't let him close the beaches and this genuine conviction that he should be closing the beaches because people are in danger this desire to provide for his family but know that he has to take things into his own hands and hunt down the shark and obviously he confronts his fears and uh you know as we talk about the end of this movie now he is the one who Ultimately strikes the killing blow for Jaws. So did you connect all with his journey, Christian? Whether, um, you know, even if you're not necessarily looking at his emotional journey, just the performance in general. Uh, Because it sounds like despite your problems with the movie, it seems like he could be maybe a consistent through line of uh, consistent positivity for you.
1: I liked him. I I, I liked him. And yet the movie seems to put him by the wayside sometimes because he's reacting to things going on around him. But very rarely is he being proactive in doing stuff, and, and that's an interesting choice, because he, when he's told that the initial shark attack was actually a um, like a boating accident that probably killed that girl, he was like, okay, cool. When he was told that he could only shut down the beaches for twenty four hours, he was like, oh wait, I didn't agree to that, but I guess I can't do anything about it. When 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 the mom the mom of dead kid comes and slaps him on the face, we don't see much more after that. The The only productive, proactive, not productive, proactive thing we see him do is tell the mayor that they will hire the contractor. And even that, he doesn't explode. He, he very, um, I mean, urgently, but kind of calmly has him sign it. And we only see him get angry in the final shark attack. So he's not... He's kind of passive at times, and and I, I that's not that's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just that this this movie is is not like Jaws versus the chief officer. It's it's more like Jaws, and then there are other people.
0: <laughs> I can see why they didn't keep that title. <laughs> they just shortened it to Jaws. I you know I think I I. I understand a bit what you're saying. I I think Brody's – the dilemmas he finds himself in, these competing outside forces, are pretty interesting. And although at times it makes him passive, I think there are moments where he is active, of course. He does break the rules in, in a way and go with Hooper to investigate this other shark that has been caught by some of the fishermen. They go after hours to cut it open because a shark digests slowly.
1: That, that might've been my favorite scene when they're cutting the shark <laughs> and all the white like guts. To yeah.
0: Out. Dreyfus is just re- like reaching into this obviously like f- prop dead shark and just like throwing things out of it. Like fish, whole fish and a can and like a license plate. Yeah. It's, it's both kind of gross and pretty funny. And, and so I think we do see him uh, again. It's not the most profound emotional journey a film character has ever gone on, but it, it is this kind of interesting um, before and after for him, where you see the ways where he's struggling. If it into the community, he's not as confident as he should be. He uh, allows people to be in danger because he doesn't stand stand up to the mayor. Into this person who finally confronts the mayor, forces him to sign the okay on this journey, and goes out and kills the shark. And so I I connect with that though. I do understand how you might have some problems with it. Uh, and so last thing, Christian, that I I want to touch on for this movie, obviously. Steven Spielberg. (laughs) This is his breakthrough movie, his second feature film. He had done a lot of TV work before this, but um, he had made a movie called The Sugarland Express before Jaws. uh, And then obviously he was off to the races and the Steven Spielberg of it all. Uh, Just what did you think of the work that he turned in with this movie? Uh, Can you obviously... I guess you have your ups and downs with Spielberg. You don't like Raiders of the Lost Ark as much as some. You love AI, artificial intelligence. So where
1: does Jaws fit in for you in, in terms of Spielberg? I like it. I mean, I, I like it more than Raiders. I don't like it as much as Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I, I think that, and, and and what I'm I don't know if you're going to understand, you've seen Jurassic Park, right? Yeah. I think that this movie could have been like a prototype for Jurassic Park where you have the beasts and you have the children and you have the adults and you have the people who are being killed uh jurassic park also very capitalist movie and anti-establishment talking about the dangers of establishment but you you're seeing much more of the creatures and you're connecting much more with the main characters so it's almost like Th- this movie is reading more like a documentary, sort of like The Exorcist last year, where The Exorcist isn't like the score isn't, you know, soaring when, when, when we've got the possessed Linda Blair a- and, and the, the supernatural elements aren't treated as like, a, oh, my. Like, it's not The Conjuring 2, that <laughs> like The Exorcist is not The Conjuring 2, but it, it's, it's very methodical in and in, in how William Friedkin is directing those scenes. Jaws seems to be very methodical of like let's keep the story going, let's keep the story going, let's keep focus. Um and, and he knows how to shoot on water. Like it's beautiful how he was able to shoot these boat scenes. And Honestly to- incredible yeah. just from a
0: filmmaking perspective, handling that, making it happen. Just and incredible. The-
1: the cameras underwater or just like the camera there and being like lapped over by water every so often. I loved that. Um, The drama here is definitely not my favorite Spielberg drama. So it's, I like it, Uh, but I don't love it. I think the Jurassic park comparison is pretty apt and I'm
0: glad you brought up the exorcist as well, because the exorcist uh, and jaws are both obviously movies come out in the seventies that are considered sort of the grandfathers of their respective genres, where The Exorcist is considered by many to be one of the first of this sort of modern idea of a horror movie. And obviously not like a slasher, for example, but like The Exorcist is the inspiration for a lot of horror movies that came after it in the same way that Jaws set off the blockbuster boom of the early of the eighties, obviously continuing into the seventies with star Wars and others coming out for sure, but uh, really kind of set off in the eighties. And so you can see in Jurassic park, how some of these things are honed in Spielberg's style where whether it's the use of the animatronic creature or visual effects that are more advanced than they were in the seventies, obviously, or uh, having a better grasp on the drama, perhaps, which obviously I mean some people might disagree too. They might say that Jaws has a better grasp on the the human element than the Jurassic Park, and I'm not sure how I feel because I, I really liked both really like both of these movies and so I'm not even trying to directly compare them it's just it it is cool to see the lineage of Jaws in Jurassic Park and other blockbusters and so whether you're looking at Spielberg specifically or others who are obviously influenced by him you can still see the the impact that Jaws had and so I'm I'm glad that we both were able to, to cross this off our lists and it sounds like for the most part Positive, definitely. We, we weren't let down by this classic. Uh, maybe I'm a little more positive than you are, but I think all your criticisms are, are well-argued for the most part. Uh, anything else you want to fit in about Jaws, Christian, before we wrap up our discussion?
1: Quickly, no matter how I feel about Jaws, every time I hear the John Williams score, wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, we, did, we didn't touch on it. And, and This is like an issue that I have about 70s movies. Whenever they have a great score, I feel like seventies underuse the seventies don't use too much score in their movies. Like there's not much music in The Exorcist. There's not much music in, um, honestly, Shampoo that I've seen. Or uh, Barry Lyndon might have the most music out of any of these movies, which I, well, I know we're going to discuss next week. But I, I wanted more John Williams score because it, it was beautiful and like perfect. Five out of five score. And in yeah, this thing is out there, and it is coming for you. It won. It won the Oscar. It won a Grammy this year. It is well deserved. It lives on. It has been parodied, and I love it.
0: Yeah, I think people most remember that the the cue of dun dun, dun,
1: dun." dun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) but there that like that piece recurs throughout the movie, and there's so much more to it that I because I never sat down and listened to the theme from jaws, you know, I, again, wasn't aware of it. It was, it was great to actually hear the whole piece and how they use it. And there's all these, every time they show quote unquote, the shark, there's all these great underwater shots as you see him swimming through the water, coming at people. And it's just such a great trick of the filmmaking where Spielberg is able to put us into the mind of this shark as, as he pursues people. Uh, Again, just one of those minor things that you don't even think about when you're watching it. And then you realize like it's, it still takes so much talent to envision that and, and, properly execute it so yeah I i mean Spielberg obviously is one of the greats and <laughs> we could do a whole year's worth of blends about him so I am very glad to have finally seen Jaws which Christian and I borrowed from the library I don't believe it is streaming anywhere right now at least that I'm aware of but obviously it is rentable anywhere you can rent movies and you can also check it out from the library like us christian 1975 blend of the month is off to the races we got to kick it off with the biggest movie of that year jaws and we'll be looking at not the uh, most financially successful but certainly one that was successful at the oscars that movie being barry linden coming next week definitely a change of pace looking at a very uh, uh in some ways serious but in some ways funny as well stanley kubrick movie one of um his bangers from the '70s, of course. Is this a movie that you've seen before, or will you be coming to it for the first time?
1: I mean, I've already, I've already seen it for next week but I haven't seen it before all I knew was three hours nine minutes and Stanley Kubrick
0: <laughs> oh yeah baby three hours <laughs> Stanley Kubrick so if you are, are like Christian and you will be seeing uh, Barry Lennon for the first time I would strongly encourage you to make sure you have the time carved out <laughs> as it is in my opinion a very enjoyable movie to watch but you do need to dedicate those <laughs> three hours this is a movie that I managed to watch in college or I, I shouldn't say managed to a movie that I watched in college as part of the uh, one of my classes that I was taking, and it just knocked me off my feet, and I'm really excited to watch it again and discuss it on the show next week. Barry Linden is streaming on Canopy right now if you are a Canopy user through your local library, and of course, it is available uh, to rent in a great number of places, or it is available on the Criterion Collection, and I'll finally get to break out my Blu-ray that I can uh, watch now that I'm checking out Barry Linden again. Uh, if you have reached this point of the show... Thanks so much. We're done. Woohoo! We love you, listeners. 2022 is off with a bang, and we're ready to go. And there are a number of things that you could do to support the show that Christian and I would appreciate greatly. Number one, if you can, please subscribe. Wherever you get your podcasts it helps us grow and reach new listeners. And if you can, leave us a rating and a review especially on Apple Podcasts. That's the one that I use the most, and I'm not sure if you can <laughs> even uh, leave reviews elsewhere, but we do love to shout out the folks who leave reviews, and I have not had one in a long time. So, transparently, I would appreciate it if you would just leave a review, and I will read it on the show. Yay! You can also send us an email. Sorry, Christian. you looks like you had something to say.
1: Uh, I do, but keep going, and I'll cut you off because I, I have something to tell you that I don't think you know.
0: Oh, okay. So, I will say, Uh, please send us an email at podcast at gmail.com we do love getting listener feedback and as you know we love to share it on the show whether you're chiming in with your favorite Marvel movies or uh, ideas that you have for blends of the month whether or not they will happen as Paul Gonzalez knows he helped Magic May happen last year but his baseball month was not chosen we apologize Paul we'll take your other suggestions under consideration of course but we do love our listeners and we appreciate all of the feedback you have for us and again it's just helpful to know what you want us to talk about on the show so send us any ideas you have
1: okay so in december 573 downloads were given we were up 416.2 percent
0: okay go us
1: so i i wanted to thank everyone for ending the year very well it looks like some of the most listened to ones were the most anticipated movies of 2022 our top five reviews of 2021 and the marvel rankings so thank you everyone for um continuing to listen in the hundreds apparently (laughs)
0: yeah absolutely thank you so much for that like seriously uh it it is weird sometimes to be doing this show where obviously we're having a blast watching these movies and talking about them and then getting to put this out in the world but it is nice to know that people are also listening to and enjoying these conversations as well both christian and i listen to a number of movie related podcasts and enjoy them it's what kind of spurred us on to do this ourselves and so thank you for your support it sincerely does mean a lot to the both of us Uh, anything else you wanted to add on that christian no uh so Lastly, of course, you can follow Christian and myself on Letterboxd, where we are regularly ra- la- da- da- da, rating and reviewing the movies that we are watching. And, of course, you could follow the show and myself on Twitter and Christian on Instagram. Christian, anything else for the folks listening along at home? No. Until next time, folks. This has been the Cinema Drip Podcast. We'll see you next week.